This is not the small print of the gospel. This is not some hidden message in scripture. Jesus made it very clear that a decision to follow was a decision to die, to surrender everything to him. And so Jesus turns to the crowd and he turns to you and me and he asks the one question that will ultimately define our lives. Are you a fan or a follower? All of us have uh, things in life that we just simply can't get enough of. For me personally, one thing I can't get enough of, they're going to put a picture here on the screen for you, is crab legs. I love crab legs. This picture was shot a couple years ago down in Florida at Christmas time. Lisa and I's family, we have a tradition at Christmas. Instead of doing a turkey, we always do crab legs. And this is the Alaskan king crab legs that we're enjoying there. And I mean, I just simply, whether it's at their house at Christmas time or if it's at a restaurant that has all you can eat, I just simply cannot eat enough crabs. I mean, I'll just keep eating them until my belly is full and like I got little cuts on my fingers from all the shells and, and they're pruny because all the, the water that comes out of it is just, I love and love and love to eat crabs. Now, before you judge me, I'm sure there's something that you just can't get enough of. Maybe it's chocolate, maybe it's shopping, maybe it's a certain television show, it could be a certain activity, it may be a sport that you're into, or watching your favorite team. All of us have something that we can't get enough of. Now, the question this morning is this, can we apply that same sort of thought to our relationship with Jesus? Can you honestly say that, you know what, I just simply can't get enough of Jesus? And sort of the, the sister question to that would be this, is Jesus enough for you? If Jesus was the only thing that you had, you got rid of your house and your cars and all your other relationships and all the other stuff that the world throws at us, if it was only Jesus that was left, is Jesus enough? Well, that's what I want to look at today as we finish up this series called Not a Fan. Seems hard to believe this is already six weeks that we've been going through this particular series. And I hope you've gotten a lot out of it. I know I have as I've studied and prepared for it. And just so thankful to Kyle Eidelman who wrote the book that we're basing the series off of. And uh, just phenomenal stuff. And I really hope that you're doing this whole thing that we've talked about of having this DTR talk with Jesus, of defining the relationship. Is Jesus really your one and only? Are you all in in your relationship with him? And today, is he enough for you? Now, we started the series by looking at a passage in John chapter 6. We just sort of briefly went through it today. I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with it. If you remember in John chapter 6, Jesus, he's at the height of his popularity. There is no one more popular in Israel at the time than Jesus. And he's just walking around. He's doing miracles. He's got this like very inspirational teaching that he's doing. And this huge, huge crowd is following him. Big crowd, 5,000 people. And the Bible says that's just the men. If we factor in the women and the children that were there, it's probably a crowd of ten to 15,000 people that have gathered together. They're listening to Jesus. And Jesus has been teaching all day long, and he gets to the very end of the day, and the crowd's really, really hungry. Jesus looks around his disciples. He says, hey, is there a McDonald's around here? Or, you know, where, where could we take these people? And they're like, a what? He's like, ah, that'll make sense in the future. But anyway, he's like, no, seriously, guys, is there like something that we could do for this crowd? And one of his followers, a guy by the name of Philip, says, Jesus, even if we had eight months worth of wages, 
we wouldn't have enough money to feed this entire crowd. Now, why he picked eight months, you know, I would have said, you know, just a year's worth of wages. But he's very, very specific. He says, even if we didn't have like eight months worth of wages, there wouldn't be enough money for all this. Philip figures, you know what? It's not our problem anyway. And even if it is our problem, what are we going to do about it? I mean, there's just so many people here. We can't possibly feed them all. Well, another follower of Jesus, his name is Andrew. He's like been walking through the crowds and stuff. And he saw this little boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. And he's like, Jesus, what about this little boy? He's got a little sack lunch there. You know, could you do something with it? And Jesus says, bring it to me. And so they bring the loaves and the fish. And some of you know this story. Jesus blesses it and he multiplies it and he feeds the entire crowd. In fact, the Bible says not only did they all eat until their stomachs are full, but they actually had leftovers. I mean, this is a phenomenal miracle. At the end of it, you would have thought that the crowd had been like, man, this has been a great day. We heard Jesus teach. He's fed us. We're going home now. But you know what they do instead? They decide that they're going to camp out. They're like, well, maybe these weren't just fans of Jesus. Maybe they're really committed. I mean, they want to be with Jesus. So they're, they're camping out there. Next morning rolls around. They wake up. Guess what? They're hungry. They're hungry. You know, even after I eat all these crab legs and stuff, it's not too long after, I'm hungry again. And that's what happens with them. They wake up and they're hungry. Guess what they want? They want Jesus, a.k.a. their meal ticket. They want him to do another miracle. They want him to feed them. They want something from him. But what had happened was during the middle of the night, Jesus and the disciples had gotten on a boat. They crossed over the other side of the lake. Jesus is nowhere to be found. And they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? But instead of going home and getting something to eat, guess what they do? The whole crowd of them walks all the way around to the other side of the lake to find Jesus. Again, is this now, are we starting to see, are they really wanting Jesus or are they wanting Jesus to do something for them? They want Jesus to do something for them. So they, they get there to the other side. Imagine this you know, crowd of 15,000 people. They're just sort of going around the other side and, Oh, Jesus, uh, wow, fancy running into you here. Uh, tell us, uh, wh- when did you get here? Uh, you know, what, what's going on? Jesus knows what's going on in their heart. And if you've got a Bible and you're following along, John chapter 6, we read this. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, you can follow along there on your outline. You can get on the Version app on your smartphone. Look up exponentialchurch.tv. You can follow along with everything that's happening on the screen as well. Uh, If you need a Bible, please let us know. We give them away for free out in the lobby afterwards. But John 6, 26, we read this. It says, Jesus answered, You've come looking for me not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, filled your stomachs, and for free. Now, Jesus is about to have the DTR with them, the define the relationship talk. He wants to see, are you following me because of who I am? Or are you following me just because of what I can do for you? See, because what he's about to tell him is, look, the drive through window for the free food, it's closed now. Are you here for me? Or are you here for the stuff? Am I enough for you? Or do you want all the extra stuff that I provide? He talks to him for a little bit, and then in John 6, 35... He says this, 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying, you don't need all that other stuff. You don't need the food. I am the bread that you need. And again, he's asking, am I enough? Or do you need more? There's a couple of great things that we learn from this passage. Three different things. That if you're taking notes here this morning, the first one is this. When Jesus is the only thing on the menu, I'll find out if he is really the one I was hungry for. You know, all of us have had times in life where we are so hungry that we'll eat just about anything. How many of you have been there before? That you're like, I don't care what it is. I am starved. I'll eat anything. You know, you ever watch some of these shows like with Bear Grylls and stuff like they're like surviving out in the wilderness and they're like eating grubs and they're like eating insects. And I mean, they're just so hungry that they're like, man, this doesn't taste so bad after all. You know? So you, you just eat anything. And I know I've been at places in life where I've just, you know, eaten things. I'm like, if I never have to eat that thing again, I'll be, you know, happy. On the other hand, there are times that there's just certain foods that we can't get enough of. Again, for me, it's crabs and ribs, and I love chocolate ice cream, you know, Japanese food. I mean, I just can't get enough of that type of thing. I just love to eat those things. And so there are some times that you have things that, you know, you eat it because you have to, and then there's some things that you eat because you want to. And what Jesus wants to know this morning is this. If I'm the only thing, figuratively speaking, on the menu, are you excited about that? Are you going, wow, like me with crabs, that, wow, I can't get enough of this? Or if Jesus is the only option and you're going, well, okay, if I have to. Again, that's what Jesus wants to know this morning. Am I enough for you? Am I enough? All the other options are gone. Am I enough? If I'm the only thing on the menu, all the side dishes are gone. Am I enough? See, Jesus is saying to this crowd in John 6, the same thing he's saying to you and I. If I don't do anything else for you, if I don't heal your loved one, or I don't heal that thing that you're going through, if I don't fix your relationship, if I don't bail out your finances, if I don't do anything else for you, if it's just my presence, that it's just you and I, is that enough for you or not? Or do you need all the other stuff? And see, this is the difference between a fan and a follower. A follower says, Jesus, you're all I need. Fans, they're only in it for the free bread for the free food, for the things that Jesus can do for them instead of just having a relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus gives them this challenge of, am I enough for you? And this is so sad. John 6, verse 66 says this, because of what Jesus said, many of his disciples turned their backs on him and stopped following him. Turns out this big crowd was just a bunch of fans and not really followers. And that was true in his day, and it was true in ours as well. That's why Jesus says in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, he says, enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the road is wide that leads to hell. And many people, many fans will enter through that gate. But the gate is small and the road is narrow that leads to true life. 
And only a few people, that is followers, will find that road. Now that's very, very sad. And, and man, that's a scripture I don't really like. And if I'm really being honest, there's parts of the Bible I don't like. And what this is saying is that most human beings are not going to go to heaven. Out of the billions and billions and billions of people that have lived throughout all of history, most people are going to end up in a very real place called hell. Not because that's God's choice, not because God hasn't opened up a way, not because God hasn't given an opportunity for forgiveness of your sins, but because we choose the easy path, the wide path, the path of comfort, the path of convenience, the path of what can Jesus do for me instead of just simply having a relationship with Jesus, of being his follower. That's all he wants from you. Yes, this is a big book. Yes, it looks like there's a lot of rules, but we talked about that last week. It's more than just rules. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Enter through the narrow gate. Because broad is the path. Wide is that path that leads to destruction. Many will find that. Few people are going to enter through that narrow gate into the path of eternal life. So you can't just be a fan. You've got to be a follower. Now, most people, they think that they're a follower, but they're not. You know, they, they, they like the idea of heaven. They like the idea of eternal life. They like the idea of, of forgiveness. And they, they like church and, and coming to church. They like the free show. They like all the stuff. But when the rubber meets the road, they don't really have a relationship with Jesus. It's just all the external And again, Jesus is saying, forget about all that stuff. I need to be enough in your life. When Jesus offers just himself, most people aren't interested. And that's what happens here in this particular story. Most of the crowd leaves. John 6, 67 then. says, then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked, are you also going to leave? Now we're not sure here exactly how Jesus said this. But I've got to imagine that it was sort of with a, a sense of, of sadness and frustration that, guys, are, are you too going to leave me? Because he's just seen this big, big crowd, tens of thousands of people that he thought was on his team. But when he defines the relationship, they reject him. They turn their backs on him and they say, We're not interested in you. We're only interested in what you can do for us. So you can imagine sort of the the pain and the frustration in Jesus' voice as he now turns to these guys that are closest to him and he's like, look, are you going to abandon me as well? Are are you going to leave me? Are you like everybody else that you're just in it for what I can do for you? Or do you truly, truly love me? See, I think a lot of times we forget that, you know, even though Jesus is God, he was God in the the flesh, he was just as much human as he was God. And he had real emotions like we do. And so you can can imagine the, the rejection that he felt. I remember my junior year of high school, 
uh, there was a, a girl I wanted to ask out to the prom, and she sat behind me in typing class, you know, and so I would sit there, and I would type, and just every day try to get up enough nerve to just turn around and ask her out to the prom. I just couldn't do it, but time was running out, and so finally one day I'm sort of shaking, and I turned around, and I said, Amy, do you want to go to the prom with me? She said, yes. <laughs> I was so surprised. <laughs> And I was so excited, and I did everything right. I, I bought a corsage for her, and I, when I picked her up, I, I gave her that, and I like opened the car door for her, and you know, I drive her to this nice, fancy restaurant, and I get her chair for her there, and at the dinner, you know, I, I tell her, anything you want on the menu, you can order. You know, I'm picking up the check, and, and so we're, we're there, and I'm very polite and courteous. You know, I'm not putting my elbows on the table. I'm not picking my nose or anything else, you know, that I shouldn't be doing. I mean, I'm on my very best behavior. And then we get to the dance, and I didn't see her the rest of the night. She went and spent the rest of the evening with the guy she had hoped was going to invite her to the prom. You can imagine the hurt, the pain, the, the rejection that I felt. I, I had done everything what I thought was right. I had sacrificed only to be rejected. And that's just a, a fraction of what you can imagine Jesus is feeling here. Again, he has done miracles. He's done all this stuff for the crowd trying to show them that, look, I am God and I want to have a relationship with you, but... When push came to shove, they were just a bunch of fans, and they said, look, if we're not getting free meals anymore, we don't want to hang around you. If it's not about getting healed and, and getting you to do things for us, then we're just simply not interested. So, again, you can imagine that Jesus, he says, all right, you 12, are you still going to follow, or are you too? going to leave me. John 6, 68 to 69 says this, Simon Peter answered, Lord, there is no one else that we can go to. Your words give eternal life. We have faith in you and we are sure that you are God's holy one. Notice what, what Peter says here. There is no one else. There is nothing else that can satisfy us. Why? Because they recognized who Jesus was and who Jesus is, that he is God. And they're like, man, if we can have a relationship with God, why would we want anything else? Jesus, you are enough. And his words lead to point number two there on your outline, that when I really know Jesus, I will never want to leave him. Again, Peter summarizes this quite nicely. When you know Jesus, there's no one and nothing else that can satisfy you. Fans don't see it that way, though. Fans want more. Fans aren't willing to, to sacrifice. When Jesus says, you, now, take up your cross daily and follow me, they're like, eh, no. I mean, that sounds like too much work. When fans are asked to die to themselves daily, they're like, sacrifice for Jesus? No, nah, I don't really think so. So fans end up bailing out when Jesus' teachings become too hard to accept. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about why do fans do that? Well, I share with you that it's because we value comfort in America. We, we want everything to be comfortable for us. 
And so that, that's a, a big part of it. But I want to suggest another reason that, that fans sort of leave Jesus. And that is because they didn't ever really know Jesus. I'm not talking about intellectually. I mean, fans know about Jesus, you know, that Jesus, he's, he's God's son, and that he died on the cross, and he rose again from the dead. You know, he's born to a virgin. You know, they, they know a lot of stuff about Jesus intellectually, but they don't really know him. You understand the difference there, right? That there's a difference between knowing something about someone and then actually knowing someone, having a relationship with someone. And that's what happens with fans. They know about Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus. Here's why that's scary. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Jesus says this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name. But Jesus says, I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, last week we talked about how Christianity is more than rules, but Jesus makes it clear here that a part of following is obeying. That you can't say that you're a follower of Jesus if you're not obeying his word. And we talked about this. You don't follow because you're trying to be saved. You follow out of gratitude that you are saved. But this is a a part of it. You must obey his word. Jesus said it this way. If you truly love me, you'll follow my commands. So what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 7 is many, many people are going to go, Lord, Lord, or they're going to say, Jesus, I loved you. I asked you to forgive me of my sins. I asked you to come in and be the leader of my life. In fact, I went to church every Sunday. I actually helped serve on Sunday mornings. I served out in the community. I even went on a missions trip one time. Jesus, I did all of this. I know you. And he's going to say, but I didn't know you. A part of loving God is obeying his word. You cannot separate those two things. The way that people used to say it was you need to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. How many of you ever heard somebody say that before? Ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. We don't understand that because that's old English. What that's saying is you need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. That's the Savior part. And you need to ask him to take control of your life. That you give him your whole life. He gave up his life for you on the cross. Now you give your life back to him. And so a part of that is you're obeying his word. And you can't separate those two things, Savior and Lord. They go together. He can't be your Savior if he's not also your Lord. Again, you don't do the good things because you're trying to earn God's favor. You do it out of gratitude. You do it as proof that you actually are saved. See, if if you truly are saved, all these good works will come out of that. But fans don't understand that. Fans, they just sort of go through the motions. They show up to church. They do all kinds of quote-unquote religious things. But if it's not all about a relationship with Jesus, where you say, Jesus, you are enough. That's all I need. 
He's going to say, depart from me. I never really knew you. So followers, when they love Jesus and they're truly following him, man, it makes it easier to swallow some of the tough portions of Scripture. I told you earlier, there's some portions of Scripture I don't like. But just because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't have to obey it and follow it. And when you truly love Jesus and you're following him, you're going to take a stand for your beliefs. You're not just going to let society run you over. When you truly love Jesus and you're truly following Jesus, you're going to share your faith with other people. You can't help but to share your faith with other people. If you're not leading people into a relationship with Jesus, there's something wrong. I may say maybe that you're just a fan of Jesus and not really a follower of his. Here's how Jesus puts it in Matthew 15, 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Again, I'm so grateful to Kai Eidelman and and all the work he did in in putting the Not a Fan series together. We're going to watch one more video here of of him as we uh, start to wrap up this particular series, and then I'll uh, conclude the message. Watch this. Hebrews 9.27 says, Man is destined to die once, and after that to face the judgment. Those are the two guarantees. We will all die and we will all stand before God. When that moment comes to all of us, there's only one question that will really matter, is have you decided to follow Jesus? If I could, I would ask you that question differently, because it's very personal. I wish I could come over to your house and knock on your door. Hopefully I could talk you into letting me come in and sit down for a few minutes. And I would want to sit across the kitchen table from you and look you in the eye and ask you this question. I know that when you hear me ask, have you decided to follow Jesus, many of you quickly nod your head yes and say, yeah, I'm a follower. But why do you say that? Because I'm not asking if your parents were followers. I'm not asking if you've prayed a prayer. I'm not asking if you say grace before meals or if you come to church. I'm not even asking if you believe in Jesus. I am asking, are you a follower of Jesus? Because one day there are many who say, I am a follower that will stand before God and be declared fans. So we're all going to stand before God in judgment. That brings us to point number three. I may not know the day, but I can know the way. You know, a lot of people, they want to know, when is Jesus going to return? Or when am I going to die? But that's not the important thing to know. The important thing to know is, Jesus, because when you truly know Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter when he returns. It doesn't matter, you know, what day you die because you're prepared for it. So it doesn't matter about the day that any of that happens. You've got to be concerned about, do you know the way? You're saying, well, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what Jesus says in John 14:6. He says, I am the way. 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, look, if you'll follow me, if, if you'll get in this love relationship with me, I'll, I'll give you the path that you need. I'll point you the right way. He says, I will lead you into all truth. And ultimately, I'll lead you into eternal relationship with me in heaven forever. not about knowing the day. It's about knowing the way. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you know. Do you know? Again, not intellectually, but do you know him? We've talked about throughout this series that it's like a a romantic relationship that you have with, with Jesus. An intimate relationship. Do you have that or not? This whole series has been about defining the relationship. Having the the DTR talk with Jesus the same way that you have it with somebody that you're dating. That you eventually get to that point where you got to say, all right, are we taking this relationship to the next level? Or is it time to, to split? And I hope and pray that this series has been helpful to you that either you're ready to go to that next level with Jesus or you're at least willing to acknowledge that, you know what, I'm not where I need to be with him. Here's the thing. You may give up on him for a little while, but he'll never give up on you. As long as you're still drawing breath on this earth, he's going to continue to woo you and pursue you. He wants a relationship with you. The question this morning is this. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Let me summarize this series the way that Kyle Eidemann summarizes his, uh, his book. He says, followers understand this, that there is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no salvation without surrender. There is no life without death. And there is no believing without following. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for not only this day, but Lord, for these past six weeks where we've been able to to take a look at what does it mean to be a follower of yours. Lord, we don't want to be just simply fans. We want to know you in a real and personal way. Jesus, we want to acknowledge right now that you are enough for us that we don't need anything else
you join me in prayer? Father God, help turn our hearts to you. Break our hearts for you. Father God, help us to pursue you with everything that we are this morning. Help us to be true followers. Father God, the world is not enough. It's going to leave us empty. It's going to leave us broken. Only in you, Father God, do we find true hope. And so, Father God, this morning, I pray that we start new, that we start fresh, that we follow after you never before. You're all we need, Father. Thank you. We bless your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. You may be seated.